Okay, so Nia, so I what? want to introduce our listeners to ableism today. What are you saying? Evilism? <laughs> ableism. Okay. Ableism. All right. You've heard of it. Yeah? Yeah, I just did a talk that included ableism. Oh, where? What was your talk on? It was a Broadway? slide I stole from you. <laughs> <laughs> I gave you credit, though. Girl, did you really? I did. I want my coin. I don't think I got paid for that. Talk. Damn talk. I need to. It's going to be one of those. The check is in the mail situation. Oh my gosh. The check is always in the mail. Dad used to say that. Check <laughs> is in the mail. <laughs> what is it coming? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. But anyway, what, yeah. was the, what was the slide? I, I, I know enough to make me dangerous. You know, just we were talking about all the isms and the systems mm. that exist. And ableism is one of the isms that I feel like we don't always address. For sure. Yeah. You know, when you think about your blinders and your points of privilege, I think for me, ableism is definitely one of them. I even, you know, what's funny is that if this was a, like where I was trying to really challenge you, I would challenge you to even think about blinders. And when folks say our blind spots, we have blind spots and things Mm -hmm. like that, because that is also ableist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, But anyway, let's get started. Okay. We didn't start yet. So, Nia, uh, can you give me your definition of disability? Like, what is disability? How would you define it? Disability. (laughs) Here comes that Latin scholar (laughs) again. I was like, this means... I actually don't know exactly what this means. Maybe it means opposite. I'm trying to, like, call back from my Latin, but I don't even know if it's Latin, so... Um, anyway, I feel like ability, when I think about disability, I think about how we would compare what people can do, um, as compared to the typical or average. And so people that, um, their body works differently or their minds are not what we would expect as typical or average. Um, we would call that like a disability. Hmm. Yeah. I, you know, I think that's not far from some definitions of the folks doing the work. So um, a disability uh, is defined as a condition or function judged to be significantly impaired relative to the usual standard of an individual or a group. So that usual standard uh, is what I think of when I think of like what you talked about and being typical or atypical and Mm -hmm. things like that. Um, So can you guess how many adults in the u.s are living with some type of disability yeah i feel like i would say between 20 percent and 25 percent a genius and a scholar i mean yeah the actual number is uh about 26 percent, so about one in four so you're right there cool yeah. Um, and so uh, the term disability specifically uh, is used to refer to individual functioning, including physical impairment, sensory impairment, cognitive impairment, intellectual impairment, mental illness, and various types of chronic diseases. Can you say it one more time? Yeah, I can. But I think I can give a different breakdown that might be also helpful. Okay, because cool. uh, folks sometimes try to use like impairment and disability and other things. Um, interchangeably and so there are distinct differences within those 
So uh, traditionally, um, impairment refers to a problem with a structure or organ of the body, such like someone has a um, uh, some types of sensory impairment or like uh, with eyes, right, or something like that. But disability is a functional limitation with regard to a particular activity, mm. um, right? So that activity in uh, doing something. Um, and then also because sometimes folks, right, will hear the term handicap, and handicap refers to a disadvantage in filling a role in life relative to a peer group. Um, but that's not really a term handicap, right, that you hear a lot within the lexicon anymore mm -hmm. because of the way it's been used in the past uh, uh, with it not being, like, politically correct. Yeah, can we talk about that, though, just, like, in terms in general? And you know how we talked a lot about in our last um, podcast or a couple podcasts ago, actually, we talked about BOPO and body positivity and the mm. whole kind of conversation around fat and taking that term back. Mm -hmm. Is the same sort of thing happening here in the ability literature and disability communities? Like, because at first, you know, like handicap, I definitely don't hear people say handicap as much anymore. Um, we do still do say like handicap parking spots or parking pass or whatever. But other than that, I don't feel like I hear it. But I do hear like this conversation between like ability statuses and how there's a disability, disability scholars and other people don't want to say disability because that feels like it's a negative connotation. So what are people supposed to be categorizing, you know, ability as and is disability okay to say, if you will? Uh, that's a great question and point because I think right now, um, which we'll get into, there's a wide spectrum of disability and folks with specific disabilities feel... A, uh, differently than other folks. Mm -hmm. And I'll point out an example. So routinely, like if you go to any of the major contributors um, or, you know, organizations that are leading work in disability, uh, when they talk about like what, how you should be talking about disability, mm -hmm. um, some of the benchmarks they give you, right, is to use person first language, right? right? Um, however, there are some uh, folks with disability that like, no, I want you to use um, identity first language. Um, and I'll kind of talk about that when we talk about models of disability and how they're framing that because uh, they want their disability to be seen as an important part of their life uh, um, and as an identity marker. So there's been talk, especially like with some disabilities uh, such as like autism, mm -hmm. um, to use identity first and, and things like that. Uh, whereas like in the mental health realm, mm -hmm. uh, there's been oftentimes is conversation about using person first language. Yeah, because I work as an um, associate editor of one of uh, the journals in our, in our field. And it's there's a lot of talk about being neurotypical mm. in, or not being neurotypical and how, to your point, scholars say we should be using person first language but this other push about like, we don't want to call people autistic, right? Mm -hmm. Like that is not the language we use or should be using right now, right? We should be using this person has autism. But to your point, like other scholars are saying, no, I want, I want this to be seen. So it's this very challenging kind of push and pull between like where you sit in a specific community, right? And who you do work with or mm -hmm. um, in service of. And so I love, I love to hear where you where you go with this. Yeah, you know, um, 
ever since I first was introduced to the concept of person first language, uh, especially in mental health and, you know, being trained as a mental health professional, uh, I, I understood why we'd want to use person first language because, you know, history, um, especially with things like mental health has been so stigmatizing where it dehumanizes the person. Mm -hmm. But I also felt like within it was, there was some irony because it seemed to be a function of the stigma and that we need to like, um, I don't want to say hide, but um, like the idea that uh, we need to prioritize the human first and then come to understand uh, them as a person that's living with something. Mm -hmm. And and yet how we can't identify that person as living with that thing and still being a person. So it was always mm -hmm. kind of like ironic to me. And so I can understand the push to use identity first because right within my other identities, um, uh, those come, like I'm a black person, I'm a black queer person, right? Mm -hmm. And there is a pride with that. Mm -hmm. And I, I think if someone was like, he's a person that's black and queer. Like I hate when people be like, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a man who happens to be gay <laughs> or I fell in love with someone and he happens to be black. Like, no, like, like it, I, it is what it is. And I am what I am. What's up? You know? Um, so oh, that. Interesting. Yeah. I definitely, I, I see that and I totally, totally get that. And so I feel like what you're saying almost is like, no, let's just get rid of the stigma and not necessarily have to change the language around. Yes, gotcha. exactly. And we'll see that idea show up um, uh, in, in some other places. But since we're on the terms of language, so some other just language do's and don'ts are um, uh, in the past, folks have used able-bodied, right? And, yes, that's a, a very <laughs> hot topic, what people yeah. are using. And uh, you should use non-disabled, right? Yeah. So uh, there are uh, Can you tell us why? Because I feel like, again, this is um, a, a spot that I don't know much about. And mm -hmm. I feel like the language, obviously, in every space is changing. But this is one that I don't routinely you know, know as much about as I know about like race and racism. So can you talk about why able-bodied is not the right language to use and instead non-disabled? Mm -hmm. uh, well, I, it has roots, right? If we are to think about um, disability theory mm -hmm. um, in general, right? One thing that disability theory gets at um, has been that oftentimes uh, in a, uh, when it has come to dominant structures, they have view, viewed folks as uh, who are living with disability as a deficit, right? Mm -hmm. And saying like those are disabled, there are disabled folks and then there's uh, uh, able-bodied folks. So the ones with who are disabled have a deficit. They're not abled. And the truth is, right, that it's not, the deficit isn't within people. It's with a society that isn't made for everyone. Mm -hmm. And it's with other things. And so actually, these bodies do have abilities and many abilities. Now, like how they are used and, and function and what, how they're used to accomplish things might look different. But inherently, right, uh, the deficit is not within uh, an individual or groups of people. Mm -hmm. um, and so like um, the idea that ability and what that is and looks like uh, happens on a spectrum rather than like there is one way to do something. So that's why I'm like, why, why do we need disabled at all? Mm. Right? Like in, in this similar kind of structure as we talk about 
gender or we talk about development or we talk about anything else, we have or we're, we're coming to understand it's not either this or that. It's not a dichotomy, mm. right? Like it's not female or male, right? Or like when you're developing, you're not either this or, or that. We recognize it's a spectrum. So why similarly do we even need this dichotomy, disabled, non-disabled or, or whatever, whatever we use? Yeah. Uh, I think that's a great question for a actual dis, a disability, <laughs> scholar. disability scholar. But what I would uh, venture to guess is that maybe in the future, right, that um, understanding an idea will change. And maybe because what I'm thinking of is just how um, like gender and things has changed. So mm -hmm. I think for folks who are familiar with the gender bred person, Mm -hmm. which I like to use or the uh, you said gender... in my talk too that oh, was so funny. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh or the gender unicorn, right? And past versions of that, they used to have um gender identity and sex and those kind of things existing on a dichotomous um mm. spectrum where at one end was uh manness mm -hmm. and on one one end was womanness. But they have since changed it in their latest versions to be like, no, those are actually those are actually different um, categories in themselves where at the um, at one end exists like the absence of and at the mm. other end uh, just exists manness, mm. right? And so I think in a way we might get to a point where we start to understand disability. And I mean this as lay people because I'm sure disability scholars, right, are already, already, talk already talking about it and that disability just exists mm -hmm. um, and, and, and it exists period in the way – in uh, the impact or the impairment that it has on people, that's the thing that looks different. Right. And because I, in what you're saying is really is that the society is the problematic piece. Yeah. It's not the way bodies work, which I agree. So in essence, I guess even a more meta question, is there even a world in which like there is a spectrum, yeah. right? Well, and maybe, and I love where we're going with this because maybe in the future, right, in, in an ideal future, right mm -hmm. instead of like labeling these bodies of like how impaired right mm -hmm. we label start labeling structures mm -hmm. right as how um functional are mm -hmm. they for everybody for everybody exactly. yeah that's what i yeah yeah because i want to be clear to our listeners you are not saying we should be colorblind right <laughs> no. uh and and i and i use that cheekily uh <laughs> as we're talking about disability Right. Um, but saying like, I, I hear your point being yeah. and recognizing and who the onus falls on and right. the stigma and all that. Uh, just some other language that folks uh, uh, assert that we should be using and talking about in is using uh, real terms, not uh, euphemistic terms and using empowering language and not disempowering language at, such as like, uh, that's Susie. She's confined to a wheelchair, right? That's not empowering. Uh they, Susie is not necessarily, doesn't view her, herself, themselves to be confined, right? And trying to um, understand the realities of people. Mm. And so those are just some things with language. So one thing that we started to talk about um, is uh, the spectrum of disability mm -hmm. and specifically disability being conceptualized as multidimensional um, where there may be effects on organs or body parts, and there may be effects on a person's participation in areas of life. Um, one of the uh, kind of uh, big names that 
come and make decisions around or help us to understand more about disability is the um, ICF. Are you familiar with ICF? What does it stand for? The International Classification of Functioning, Disability, and Health. Okay. Mm -mm. So um, they're uh, one of the bigger organizations that uh, write about disability um, in more macro levels. And so uh, they have come to say, right, uh, when it comes to disability, it can be related to body structure and function, activity and activity restrictions, and then participation and participation restrictions, but also uh, someone, a disability is also affected uh, by social environmental factors um, uh, because those affect disability outcomes. And of course, some disabilities may be um, uh, hidden, Mm -hmm. right? Um, uh, So, and things that disability can uh, affect uh, include vision, hearing, thinking, learning, movement, mental health, remembering, um, communicating, and also social relationships. Um, out of those, there's uh, higher percentages. Uh, there are different percentages for folks um, that are living with disabilities that affect their function type, such as mobility can be like 13.7%, cognition 10.8%, hearing 5.9%, and this is of uh, folks in the U.S. Mm. So uh, there are varying degrees. But uh, the ICF um, has uh, eight different disability classifications, uh, which include, do you have any guesses on what the eight could be and include? I would say probably mobility. Well, I'm lumping a lot, but okay, mobility. Do your best. That's one. I would say cognition. Two. Sensory. I would say mo- mobility, physical, yeah. cognitive, learning. Yeah. What was your sensory? Uh, they specify each one. Uh, some of so them. So, like visual. Vision is one. Um. You're at three. I would say like speech. Um, or auditory and speech, something uh, together. Uh, that doesn't come up as its own categorization like the other ones. Oh, so then is that sensory? Is it sensory? I'm asking. I, Do they I, I, lump it like that? No, they don't. Oh, well but you said that. another. I would go with another big sensory one, and I would say this one's fairly common that you're missing. Um, Actually, five point nine percent. So we said we said vision already. Uh huh. We said I said hearing. No, nope. I said speech. I didn't hear you. I oh, heard I said, speech. Oh, I okay. said hearing. Yep. Um, like auditory. Oh, um, yeah. so auditory and speech are lumped or they're separate. Hearing is different than speech. Speech, speech I think, is showing up in other ones. Oh. In a more specific way. Okay. Yep. Um. And mobility is is a big category. They didn't... Mobility and physical went together. Um, You want to give me some hints? Sure. I think one is think of the world that... social. That was um, something that it can affect. But that isn't... considered a classification of the ICF like that would fall into okay well what about mental health yep psychological psychological okay so give me hints for the rest yeah since I don't know how Um, the rest is think of 
trying to give one without giving it away. So the something would happen and it would affect you in a way that might um, affect your speech, then affect your speech. Like I would think trauma. But to a specific to a specific place on your body. Your brain? Head injuries oh. is one. And they lump that separate? They put that separately? Yeah, and there's another one that's close to head injury that they include separately. Uh, what? Tell me. Spinal cord. Oh, interesting. I know. They lump it this way. Okay. Yeah, and then the last one is invisible. Oh, um, good. I'm glad they have a separate category. Yeah. Um, so, right, uh, disability happens on a spectrum uh, uh, and exists on a spectrum as we discussed. One of the things that I interests me most about disability mm-hmm. that I've come to find out from teaching on it as a person who's not a disability scholar, though I've used like disability theory and things like that, mm-hmm. is um, different models of disability. Yeah. Because I think in my just schooling, I only learned of two models. Mm-hmm. One I'm sure you're familiar with, Try me. The medical model? Say more. Okay. The, the medical model of disability uh, is basically is presented as viewing disability as a problem of the person directly caused by disease, trauma, or other health conditions, which therefore requires sustained medical care provided in the form of individual treatment by professionals. So oftentimes in the medical model of disability, the aim is a cure or the individual's adjustment and behavioral change that would lead to an almost cure or an effective cure. Uh, In the medical model, medical care is viewed as the main issue. um, And at the political level, the principal response is that of modifying or reforming healthcare policy. I don't know, in medical school, I don't think this was explicit. Maybe some of it was inherent, but um, I don't think anyone said like, this is, this is the model and this is how we approach disease or illness or whatever. But Mm -hmm. I think there was some inherentness in there. I think as a pediatrician, it's been different. Mm. And especially over time, because you said disease or, you know, some people, some children are born right with congenital disabilities. And so they, they may never get cured, so to speak. And so it's like, how do you help support families that um, have children that either learn differently or learn or move in a different way, in a way that society doesn't support. So I think pediatrics is rooted in a lot of advocacy around that, which happens to be, I think, policy, patient advocacy, and so on. But I definitely feel like that has changed over time, and I'm not sure what it looks like in the adult spaces where maybe cures are possible or there is a research bend towards always chasing for a cure of something. Yeah. Well, and the medical model is just a model. So it's, I would say, the one that's most actually prevalent in society um currently and and usually has been and that that it oftentimes sees people living with disability as deficit and needing cured or, or quote unquote fixed uh the response to that usually is or the idea is the social model um and saying that the social model of disability is most appropriate where the social model sees the issue of disability as a socially created problem and a matter of the full integration of individuals into society. 
um, in that model, the social model, disability is not um, an attribute of an individual, but rather a complex collection of conditions, many of which are created by the social environment. So I think this gets closer to kind of how you were thinking and conceptualizing disability, like in a future place where, right, it's the environment mm-hmm. that is not meeting the complex needs of all people mm-hmm. kind of things. Um, hence, so within the social model of disability, uh, the problem requires social action and is uh, the collective response of society at large to make environmental modifications uh, necessary. So, uh so that um, there can be full participation of people living with disabilities in all areas of social life. Um, So, you know, I think when I was going through school, it was like, those are the two I was familiar with. Those are what we talked about, uh, even from like a mental health standpoint. But I just love that there are so many models of disability (laughs) that exist. So I'm going to rattle off a bunch to you. Oh, man, not a bunch. Uh, You ready? Okay. So there's the religious model of disability, moral model, tragedy charity model, uh, affirmation model, legitimacy model, biomedical model of health, the medical model, which we talked about, the expert professional model, empowering model, social adapted model, spectrum model, human rights model, uh, relational model, um, social model, identity model, minority model, diversity model, economic model, and the market model. Okay. It's a shit ton, right? It's a lot. That's that's a lot. Did any of those had you heard before? Or are you familiar with? Or any that you're you'd be interested to learn more about? Sadly, it's not my space, so I haven't heard about any of those mm. by name. I could guess what maybe some of them stood for. For sure. No, I don't. I've never heard of any of them before. Yeah, I think ones that we are usually familiar with, especially and. Uh, like because they've been commonplace or historically before we moved out of them so we're familiar with them are things like religious model right so a disability is in relation to this kind of sin or something that had happened right uh moral model is uh someone living with disability right it's viewed as um uh, an evil that had been done and therefore it's a manifestation of that uh, tragedy or charity model is like uh, folks with living living with disabilities um, are deserving of pity um, and then therefore our charity and so those are ones that I think folks are readily familiar with there are uh, there are several ones that I think um, are interesting but I do have a couple of faves so I'm just gonna say uh, one of uh, ones that I like to think of includes um, is the empowering model. So the empowering model of disability allows for the person with a disability and their family to decide the course of their treatment and what services they wish to benefit from. This in turn turns the professional into a service provider whose role is to offer guidance and carry out the client's decision. In other words, uh, this model empowers the individual to pursue their own goals. I think for me, this was something that was very um, uh, uh, outside of my knowledge base and what I didn't know medical health like health could be until I moved to Chicago and worked with specifically shout out to Howard Brown um, that really empowered folks to take uh, control over their other their own health care so they might have suggestions and guidance like these are some options but what would you like to do 
uh, would you like to get tested for dot 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 right mm. um, rather than being like we're going to do these tests mm. right which I think is a different power dynamic that uh, hasn't existed uh, before and is contrary to some of the other models the other two models uh, that I really uh, appreciate is one, the minority model of uh, disability. So the minority model, also known as the socio-political model of disability, um, it basically adds to a social model that the idea that disability is imposed on top of impairment via negative attitudes and social barriers in suggesting that people with disabilities constitute um, and a social category that shares in common the experiences of disability. So that um, uh, someone living with disability that can become a minority status as related to like uh, having a black identity, having a queer identity, and should be seen as such because of the um, negative attitude, social barriers, and other things that come up, AKA basically because of ableism, mm -hmm. right? Um, and uh, what ableism is. And so just with that, uh, so that folks have kind of a definition and we can just get to ableism is ableism is the discrimination of and social prejudice against people with disabilities based on the belief that typical abilities are superior. Yeah. Um, so we see that superiority. Um, and, you know, ableism exists especially at the intersection of other identities such as race and gender and we've seen that be very prevalent so uh ableism can look like anything like a lack of uh, compliance with disability laws like ada it can look like building inaccept inaccessible websites um the assumption that folks living with disabilities need to be fixed um historically we saw it come up in things like eugenic movements um, that still might have some presence or um, inklings today. Uh, so everyday ableism can look like y'all choosing an event that um, is an inaccessible venue for many reasons. Maybe mm -hmm. there are steps and no elevator or things where folks who um, use wheelchairs uh, can get access to them. Maybe it looks like um, it could be not having folks that uh, are signing at your events. And so uh, folks who um, are deaf or can't hear uh, may not be, be able to know what's going on. But what I specifically also want to share is some ableist microaggressions, mm -hmm. uh, because these are things that I think I hear people commonly say. Mm -hmm. One that is on this list is the R word. I, re I will not say the R word. Um, You're going to have to help us out. The R word? I don't know what you're talking about. You got to give me more context yeah. than that. Okay. Uh, this used to be like, people would say, you're so... Oh, okay. Yeah, do you... Now you know that yeah, R word? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, other... Or like, that's so. Exactly. Gotcha. R word. Insert R word. Um, other things that people might not think about is um, uh, that's so lame. Uh, you're acting so bipolar, being off your meds, the blind leading the blind, falling on deaf ears. Uh, you're such a psycho. I'm OCD. Um, can I pray for you? I don't even think of you as disabled. And one that gets me often is um, like, that's so crazy. That guy is crazy. 
um, I I was just talking to one of my uh, colleagues about this, how we sometimes it's like uh, wild for us to hear folks using like things like that's so crazy, especially me being in the mental health realm. I used to hear like other counselor educators and I'd be like, how are you still using it? Um, and using well, well, let me just say like real quick. So the first one that you said was. That's so lame. No, no, no. Oh, oh sorry. Not the very first one thing that you said. But you said, like, I'm going to pray for you. I need you to break that one down. Yeah. So uh, this leans into things like um, that religious model of disability. Are um, you saying that that phrase directed to somebody who's disabled? Correct. So I'm going to pray for you about your disability? Yes. Okay. People are saying that? Okay. Okay. Anyway, yes. Moving on. Secondly, yes. I mean, think think about it all the time, and people be like, "Let me lay hands on you," right? Uh, I think part of the, okay. those things, right? You know what I'm talking about? Like mm -hmm. people, they do it, and it's like, "Sis, actually, I'm good. Like, I don't. I'm good. I don't." Okay. Need you to and then my confession is, I feel like I say that's so crazy all the time, even yeah. though I know better. And yeah, it's. Partly because I think people don't know what to say. Yeah. Like, that's so wild or that's I so use wild. Uh, unbelievable or whatever. Part and, and I think, too, I'm not making excuse. I'm trying to, like, understand this, too. Yeah. Is that, you know, from a mental health standpoint, I thought, you know, people weren't calling people crazy anymore. Right? So I, oh, so you know it's not I mean? even So it's, like, used. not even used as, like, you know, I'm not saying this is what everybody does. I'm yeah. just saying that might be part of it is like the vernacular has changed so much mm. that I don't think Nas would, or my son would see anybody on the street and be like, are they crazy? You mm. know, like and to see somebody with mental health, like with the mental health um, like condition or something yeah. and associate the two words. So I don't know. I'm going to challenge you there and say, well, I think that experience you're sharing is true. I think that for lay people, right. Mm -hmm. Um, when they're might be raising a child or something, um, a child that might very well have uh, be living with some kind of like mental health disorder, they mm. might say like things like "stop acting crazy" in a way that mm. it's actually like vilifying uh, 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 their actual diagnosis through mm. a lack of understanding. So I, I definitely a hundred percent get what you're saying, mm. and I still think that there are people that are associating the word crazy with some type of behavior that they think is unbecoming or wrong in ways yeah. that are either rightly or wrongly attached um, to mental health. Yeah. Um, and it's the word in itself has is still a barrier for people. Um, no, totally. Health. And I feel like, yeah. No, I'm not saying I'm acting appropriately. No, I'm just, <laughs> I know, I know, I know you are. Confessional moment. Yeah, I appreciate um, it. So that people know, like, we're not perfect either. Yeah, for sure. Right? And like, not. it's constantly something that we're learning we're and not. working I'm, on. I'm trying to work on, um, uh, and I've gotten much better, uh, but using, trying to call out ableist language when it's not my own. For example, like colorblind, right? And mm -hmm. how folks have used that to talk about race, but mm -hmm. that is the term within race. Mm -hmm. But it's also, to me, reflects like these ableist ideas. I think it's like terms where those things are built in. I'm just trying to acknowledge them mm -hmm. even when using them. For example, there's a, a term within uh, 
the psychology of like racism and that talks about like uh or sexism that talks about the bipolar assumption mm. right which is that uh men and w- women are diametrically, diametrically opposed. opposed right yeah. but because bipolar is in the name, I'm trying to call out, call attention to mm-hmm. that these, this is someone else's language and uh, just recognize it because I think that's important within the conversation. Um, yeah, so I feel like, you know, we have done a, just like a quick introduction to disability and ableism. One thing that I really don't want to get lost though is how uh, the idea of intersectionality that ableism exists along these other things. Like, for example, I'm just going to call attention to racism, specifically the ways that uh, disability um, has been impacted by things like racism and systems of oppression that has been compounded to harm uh, to harm and create Black disabled bodies, such as environmental injustice, uh, for example. Um, elevated uh, lead levels and air pollution can lead to increased prevalence of intellectual disabilities and asthmas in communities of color that we know that have existed. Systematic, uh, systemic and individual biases uh, have led to an underdiagnosis and misdiagnosis of disabilities for uh, black folks, specifically in school systems. Uh, school to prison pipeline disproportionately harms uh, disabled students of color and black students. Then of course, uh, the with the uh, healthcare's history of racism um, and implicit biases have uh, throughout time created and perpetuated physical and mental health um, uh, issues within those systems uh, due to structural inequalities um, such as lower access and frequency for quality care for Black disabled uh, folk. Um, so yeah, so. Th- this is just a beginning conversation. I know. I feel like we're going to need like a part two and three. Uh, yeah, we'll <laughs> definitely need that. This is like a whirlwind tour into disability. Because it's so wide. Maybe next time we'll focus in on one of those classifications. Yeah. I feel like it's a, it's a lot to take in. It's really important. There we go. Well, until next time, listeners. Stay bold. bold.